Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i am dean linky and if you listen to the brand new music and message from league apps you know that the united soccer coaches podcast has a brand new exciting presenting sponsor it is league apps so it's only fitting that we kick off the show with the president and quarterback of League Apps, Jeremy Goldberg, a big time personality with not only a great vision for League Apps, but also a great vision for this podcast moving forward. Jeremy Goldberg from League Apps kicks off the show. If you were in Kansas City for the convention, you know that once again, United Soccer Coaches collaborated and shared real-time working space with one of our key partners, U.S. Youth Soccer, also known as USYS. Back in August, USYS named Simon Collins the USYS National League Commissioner. He has a spectacular resume, and it's nice to get to know him on today's show. Anna Witte, who did such a great job filling in for me on Thursday of the convention as a co-host of this show on Podcast Row, and she visits with Canada Olympic gold medalist goalkeeper Aaron McLeod and Dr. Rachel Linval, the amazing founders of The Mindful Project. That is a great interview. Brandon Milburn, the digital marketing specialist for United Soccer Coaches and the manager of the convention's super successful podcast role, also makes the lineup. His energy and soccer for all message for United Soccer Coaches is one that will resonate with everyone. And finally, Christine Chiodo, another superstar from our 30 under 30 class, wraps up the show. And we get it rolling after this brand new message from our brand new presenting sponsor, League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. You just heard the big announcement. You just heard the brand new open. That's right. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is now presented by League Apps. That's right. League Apps. They are hip. They are cool including their president and quarterback, Jeremy Goldberg, who has to kick off this week's show, the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Jeremy Goldberg in the house, the president and quarterback of League Apps. How's that sound? I mean, it sounds great. It sounds great to be the partner. It sounds great to be here. Although I will say I feel a little bit sheepish by being a president and quarterback. Well, we're talking on a soccer podcast <laughs> here. But I will confess that uh, 
that I, I there's no striker there. I, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and dominated the JCC sports scene in the 80s, but my dad was my soccer coach. Okay. And he did not have the benefit of United Soccer Coaches training or certification. So we have a very close relationship because of it, but it's also why I run a sports technology business. But you're saying you're a football man, though? That's why you say quarterback? Well, I did play football in 7th and 8th grade. I had more professional coaching. Uh, I couldn't see over the offensive line. So now my quarterbacking is at league apps and not on the field. It's great to have you on the very first show as the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. A week ago, it was announced as they opened up the exhibit hall, the new partnership with the United Soccer Coaches. Talk about that big event. Yeah, you know, it, it's amazing. And, and with all the events of the past couple of years with COVID, people are really hungry to come together. And, and we appreciate the need for community like nothing before. And so seeing that scene in, in Kansas City as people are coming together and reconnecting, doing so safely, but doing so in a way that really exchanges ideas and tries to better the game, better themselves, was an inspiration and is exactly why we wanted to be part of this kind of uh, partnership. Jeremy Goldberg, I want to get to know you, but before we get there, let's get to know Lee Gaps. So for somebody that's just now hearing Lee Gaps, and they're going to hear it a lot because every time I go to break, I'm going to say Lee Gaps. I'm going to have Lee Gaps in my sleep, which is, I hope, a good thing, by the way. Tell us all about Lee Gaps, what it does and what it's all about in the future. Well, the first thing is we are, we are a youth sports management platform, right? And we pride ourselves in being the leading platform, a comprehensive platform. And our vision is to provide organizations with the technology and the professional development they need to run, grow, and ultimately help win on and off the field. And I think one of the, the key insights that's driving our business is the belief that things are changing right, in youth sports. And from when I was growing up in Dallas to where it is now, there's a lot of complexity to it. Right? You're thinking about what happens to on the field, how you're hiring coaches, how you're running your organization, how you're marketing, how you're dealing with youth development, how you're dealing with issues of access and, and fundraising. So there's so many different things that are out there we want to provide the technology that solves those issues, but we recognize there's also a lot of things that people need to learn from each other. And so our vision and what we do around community and our impact initiatives, I think, are so aligned with what United Soccer Coaches are about. That's one of the reasons we really were excited about this partnership, is that we are more than just a technology company. We pride ourselves on great technology. We're really about really supporting this entire industry and doing so in a way that's great for kids and communities. I'm always interested, even organically, on how something like this happens. Can you walk me through the inception of League Apps, how long you've been around, how hard was it to get going? Tell us your story. We've been around for over a decade, and I think one of the things that, that I've appreciated is in, in my, my life and career, I've been part of transformations of different industries. Right? I, I went in, was a strategy consultant, and we worked on how publishing was going to change and insurance was going to change. You can blame me for a lot of those like, commercials that you see now selling insurance online, right? You've seen all these different sectors that have changed with technology. And as I got the opportunity to, to work uh, and, and, and start League Apps, which was over about a decade ago, what we saw is an industry that was ripe for change, that technology can make a, a really big impact. I'll admit, you know, this is not about, like, we built it and it's an overnight success because building a business requires a deep understanding and appreciation for what is happening in this world of youth sports. And we actually, so we actually started off building a, a business that was trying to make it easier for people to find people to play with, right? And they would go and find someone to play soccer with, and they would leave our app and go out in the real world and play soccer. And that was a great problem to solve. It didn't make for a great business because they were on your platform and then they weren't. But what we noticed is that all these organizations were coming on our platform trying to find players, trying to engage with them, and they were the ones that had the needs. And 
we said if we could work with the organizations and, and by extension the coaches and everyone else involved and we could make their lives easier, that's the way we can make our impact. And so we realized let's, let's build that youth sports management platform. Let's work with those organizations and let's help them innovate in ways that ultimately helps grow the game and betters the experiences. And that's where, where we really pride ourselves in how we built the business. And we've focused on aligning ourselves with organizations that are innovative and that are committed to do the right thing. And so now we're a growing company that has the ability to do these kinds of partnerships and relationships and, and are, are proud of what we've done. But we've just gotten started uh, in terms of the kind of impact we hope to have. Ten years is a nice run, though. Talk about how many you started with and how big is the company now as we're here with Jeremy Goldberg, the president and quarterback of League Apps, which is the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Talk about that growth. How many employees? you have now? We now have over 120 employees in the business. You know, we're, we're proud. We have had over 10 million people, have over 10 million people on the platform and, you know, have processed now billions of dollars. And so there's, there's lots of metrics that kind of speak to kind of the impact and scale that we have. One of the things we're also equally proud of is the way that we try to, to take advantage of the resources and the success we're having and give back at the same time. All along the way, we've, we've We've helped figure out how to give our technology away to nonprofits. We made a commitment two years ago to try to impact 500,000 kids, impact to youth sports. And uh, we're close to that commitment by the end of this year. Uh, we'll, we think we'll hit 500,000 kids that we've helped impact through our technology. So those are the metrics that we're equally as proud of beyond just the scale and size of the business. Because you mentioned philanthropy, I was going to save it for later, but let's go right now because today you have a big announcement. You've got the floor. One thing I think we've recognized is, and, it's, and I, was, I was excited to hear the announcement in Kansas City about the, uh, the ongoing commitment that United Soccer Coaches has through their partnerships around access and equity. Because I think one thing we can agree on, Dean, is that sports is something that, that has impacted our lives. And, and there are some examples of people that have gone on to be an amazing athletes. But then there's others that have gone on that are broadcasters, that are technology executives. But that sports experience was foundational to the things that they were able to do in their lives. And I really believe it gives these advantages, right, that you have, how to work as part of a team, how to understand how to harness diversity, how to overcome adversity, the mental and physical health benefits that come with playing. And I think one thing, if we can all understand what those benefits are and appreciate that, then we can't tolerate a situation that more than 50% of kids aren't accessing those kinds of experiences. We've said all along, how do we help impact that through our, through our, our, our platform? So we have a fun play initiative to provide software and we also have an initiative where we've helped kind of launch the industry coalition. I lead this with my colleague, Benita Fitzgerald Mosley, the 1984 Olympic gold medalist and former CEO of Laureus Sport for Good Foundation. We're trying to bring the industry together to advocate with government and institutions and, and the industry as a whole ways that we can work together to ultimately grow the game. So we've done those things and, and we're, we're continuing to grow those initiatives. But today we're announcing this challenge to our team which is we bring together everyone together for uh, our, our team offsite twice a year, doing it virtually this year. And uh, we call it OTAs, borrowing from football parlance, the other football, organized team activities. And we put this challenge out to our team today, which is we're going to go raise $100,000 in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to do this to support organizations that are doing amazing work. And we're taking the first $50,000, $50, and we're going to support a great organization in New York City in our backyard, uh, South Bronx United, and help build a pitch to support soccer in that community and provide access. And then to take the other $50,000 and give that away to worthy organizations. And so when we bring our team together, we want to better our company and ourselves, but we're also wanting to better our world. And so that's a way of putting our money where our mouth is. And so we were really proud to share that challenge with our team uh, and ready to go. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, keep you posted. Fantastic. And when will the pitch go in, do you know? We're working on the kind of exact timing around that stuff as, as we do this, but, uh, but they're ready to move quickly. That's for sure. They've got great organization. 
United Soccer Coaches podcast now presented by Lee Gaps. We are with the president and a quarterback, Jeremy Goldberg. Jeremy, before we talk about why you saw the benefit of associating with United Soccer Coaches, let's get to know you a little bit better. You went to Georgetown, and then you also went to Columbia, where you got your master's, I believe, right, at Columbia. Talk about what you majored in and your path. So I grew up in Dallas, Texas. I think that was the place where my love of sports was instilled. You know, sports is your former culture there. I think they've done studies that on Sundays, based on Cowboys wins or losses, it affects the GDP by a, a percent or two. People stay home or they eat out. So I grew up in an environment with that kind of investment in, in outcomes. My early soccer experience was like indoor soccer and tattoo and those kinds of experiences. Uh, and then went to Georgetown for college and had an amazing experience there. A few things kind of stuck out to me about that experience. I, I, I got the taste of entrepreneurship where uh, I was part of the foreign affairs school and, and was really interested in the world. And I was writing a column, right? This was my, my foray into journalism. Never got as far as you did, Dean. But I was writing a column in the school paper every week as a freshman about an event around the world and what I thought about it. And I had this experience where in the lunchroom, people would come up to me and sit down and talk to me about what I wrote. And it was fascinating because I wrote, I remember, a, a piece about Eastern Europe and NATO, I think it was. And so all these folks that came and sat down that were from Albania, right, and Bulgaria and others. And first, I didn't get all of my facts right. They had some opinions <laughs> about it or, or thoughts about it. But I, I had these experiences, and I remember I said to myself, why am I the only one having this experience? Why isn't there a journalism opportunity connected to international affairs? You think about all the journalists covering events around the world. And so I went and developed this idea of a business plan of let, let's create a foreign affairs journal at Georgetown and, and, and looked at what other universities were doing, uh, some great publications at Harvard or Tufts or George Washington, Stanford and others. And there was a new dean that had come in just from the State Department. And I actually made an appointment and I saw him in his first week. And he said I was one of the first students he met. So I told him about my idea. And he's like, I have no idea what I'm allowed to say yes or no to. I just started. He says, but this seems like a really good idea. So you have my emotional support. Yeah. I assume you want my financial support. We'll figure it out. Well, fast forward, that was a four-year journey on my freshman year to get this journal off the ground. I'm proud to say the Georgetown Journal of International Affairs is in bookstores. It comes out a couple times a year. Fantastic. There are hundreds of students involved every year. But I realized, one, how you have a vision and work to that vision. And I also understood like what it takes to be an entrepreneur and to ultimately overcome the obstacles. And every month something came up that we had to figure out how to overcome. But that kind of perseverance and commitment and also what you can do as part of a team was something I really believed in. And so that, that was a formative experience at Georgetown besides all of the classes and things that I did. And, and so that was one thing that stuck with me, as, obviously, as an entrepreneur today. The other experience I had that sticks with me is I did an internship, as you do in Washington. I had this, uh, this boss, a gentleman named Alex Lennon. And, you know, it was a typical internship, and you did research and things like that. But he was a huge Washington Capitals fan, huge uh, baseball fan, Orioles fan at the time. And we would sit in his office, and we would talk about sports. And the other interns got really jealous that he and I were always talking about sports. So I finally said, I go, we're actually working on a project about sports and diplomacy and how it could impact the world. So he's like, well, you're now going to have to do this project. And so I ended up doing this whole research project about the ping pong diplomacy in China that, that helped open up our relationship with China or the wrestlers that went to Iran that opened up relationships with Iran and the power of soccer, obviously connected to world events. And, uh, and after doing that, I said, wow, if I really want to impact the world, sports is a great way to do that. And I also want to be an entrepreneur. So since that time at Georgetown, I've gone on to be a strategy consultant, founded the first tech company in, in, in political technology, went on and had the experience of, of being part of a nonprofit organization and running uh, development in the New York office for years, was on the Obama campaign, went to Columbia. But all throughout, I've had this DNA of, of being an entrepreneur 
and also the DNA of believing in the power of sports. And I'm now in the perfect situation where I'm able to combine the two. And that's the way I, I try to live my purpose and, uh, and make an impact. Lee Gaps, their headquarters now. Your journey's incredible. Where are you now? Where are they set? So we are headquartered in New York City, but we have talented employees around around the country. As, as obviously in COVID, we're learning how to work as a distributed team. We're certainly kind of proud of all the different people we're adding in and uh, definitely a concentration on the East Coast, a presence and office in the D.C. area and in the New York area as well. You have some high-profile ambassadors. I'm also a basketball guy. As you said, you're a football guy, but I like basketball and soccer. And you've got some... Big time, big time personalities that are working with you. Can you share some of those names? Sure. You know, one, one thing I think for us is you want to have investors that share your vision. And in our case, we wanted people that embrace this idea that it's not about having business success and then figuring out, you know, at the end of the day, maybe setting up a foundation and helping out that you had to believe in the vision that those things are linked together, that the more success you had as a business, the more impact you could have. But the more impact you have, the more successful you can be as a business because you can attract the talent and relationships you want. So we were able to surround ourselves with investors that shared our vision for the opportunity to build a business in youth sports, um, but also to have the impact. And so that not only includes leading venture investment firms and the people that make technology investments for a living, but also includes Major League Baseball. It includes the ownership group of the Los Angeles Dodgers that are, that are very active in investors in youth sports and honored to be kind of part of their kind of first accelerator that they did. It includes incredible athletes like David Robinson, as you alluded to basketball, and uh, Shane Battier and people like Dahani Jones, a great NFL football player and Michigan star. Paul Rabel, who's an incredibly innovative lacrosse player, as well as, as other kinds of executives like Peter Holt, who's the owner of the San Antonio Spurs, and Nancy and Arn Tellum, who are, are incredible kind of sports and media executives, and, and Arn now runs the Pistons. So we've had this great collection, and what I was really excited about is we wanted to continue to diversify our investors. And the round uh, of investment we did last year it was very important to us to create opportunities for everyone to participate. So we set out to particularly bring in women investors and give them opportunities and, 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 and made a concerted effort to do that. So Julie Foudy is an investor now in our business and obviously incredibly important to the soccer world. And uh, Swin Cash also joined as an investor, among others, as well as some other, other uh, incredible executives. So it's neat to have them as part of the business. And we're in it together, not just to build the business, but more importantly, to kind of have the impact we see we can have in the world. Those are powerful people. My first job with U.S. soccer, they sent me to Santa Barbara to work with Anson Dorrance and the first World Cup team that went over to China and won the World Cup. And Julie Foudy was already on that team and she would eventually become captain. But even as a college player then, she had great leadership. People responded to her I get the feeling you like those kind of people. Well, for sure. And, and I think, I mean, look, you're talking about Shane Battier, right? The winningest college basketball player of all time, right? Two-time NBA champion. You're talking about David Robinson. You're talking about Julie Foudy, Swin Cash, winningest, winningest women's college basketball of all time. And what was, what was neat is I was attracted to them before I had a relationship with them and what I thought they stood for. They're even better than advertised when you, when you get to know them. But uh, as a team, I mentioned this, this offsite that, that we're doing as, as we're doing this fun play drive. One of the things that we've done early on is we'll study sports teams and draw inspiration from them as part of the way we think about uh, helping the, the company understand and apply our values um, that, that we, we really pride ourselves in. 
So over the years, we study different teams, and I feel it's like the law of attraction where we studied the San Antonio Spurs, which was painful for me as a Dallas Mavericks fan. <laughs> and after we studied the San Antonio Spurs, about a year later, I was connected to David Robinson and, and his investment fund. And I was like, I have this whole presentation. I studied the San Antonio Spurs and why they won and how Popovich went about this. And then later on, we studied the UConn women's basketball team. How does Gino Ariema, how, how does he have this sustained success, especially in college where it's so much about culture because you're turning over the team. And sure enough, Swing Cash now becomes an investor. I was never allowed to study Duke. Too many people on their team was, was not going to let that happen. But it was not hard to figure out how they won and Shane Battier. And what we are actually teaching next week uh, to our team as part of our team meeting is uh, studying the 1999 uh, Women's World Cup team uh, and why they won. But also this idea that they also had a broader impact on the world through their success, that sport was something beyond just the lines. So it's been neat. We have a, we've done Gonzaga. We've done the U.S. Hockey's team in, in 1980. Uh, Leicester City, which is one of the greatest sports upsets, a sustained upset in terms of what they did in the EPL that year. So it's been fun. So we study this, and then you meet these individuals, and it's like those are the people we want to attach. In many cases, we had them as investors for years before we ever mentioned them publicly. It was never about an advertising campaign. It was about a connection around culture and a belief in values, uh, a belief in leadership, and ultimately what we can learn from them and what they can learn from us. The other thing is they had to be investors, right? They had to be in it with us as opposed to kind of just a paid sponsorship relationship where we were looking for a true partnership and uh, the quality of those individuals speaks for itself. The United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. Obviously, you were at the convention. The big announcement was Thursday. You just talked about a lot of incredible people, a lot of incredible organizations. Your path is amazing. What was it about United Soccer Coaches that said, League Apps, we have to be partners with them? There's three things that I think core the way that, that we really try to, to, to impact and show up in this, in this industry. You know, first, we're a technology company, and we are deeply uh, prideful of the technology we've built, but where we're going is, is something we're equally as excited about. And you walk around the, the convention hall in Kansas City, and what you're struck by is how much this game is changing, right? The video, the analytics, the data, platforms. And as much change has happened in new sports in the past five years and 10 years or accelerated by COVID, we haven't seen anything yet. And all the trends, all the things that are happening in this world whether it's augmented reality or virtual reality or video or analytics or data, you know, artificial intelligence, you name all the different trends. Those are going to impact every industry, and that's going to be true here. And so what United Soccer Coaches is about is about learning, right? They have that exhibit hall. It, it creates the opportunity for that. And so the first thing is there's an alignment in the belief of innovation and change. If things were just going to stay the same, why keep learning? Why keep educating, right? But uh, as John Wooden says, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts, and so I think that's the first thing is that, that I, I see an organization here and I had the good fortune of coming to the United Soccer Coaches Convention for, for a number of years. I got to know Lynn as she led the organization, was always struck uh, by how incredible of a person she was. And so there's just a commitment to believing things are going to change and we're going to navigate that change as a community. And, and obviously we want to be part of, of both influencing and shaping that change. So that was, that was one piece of that on the technology side. I think the second thing is, is we have a deep belief in community, right? The power of bringing people together. And one of the ways we've brought that together is we've launched a platform called Next Up that was the first um, kind of industry conference for youth sports. And it was the idea that bringing people from across the sports landscape, right? Because all of these conventions and coaches organizations really are sports specific, bringing people together that are leaders of these organizations and letting them learn from each other. And so we did that in the fall of 19. It was incredibly successful in New York City. Uh, we ended up running 50 events in 2020 that were virtual, including a virtual university, providing free professional development and training to the industry off the field, 
which is where we really specialize. And uh, we hired Benita Fitzgerald Mosley now to oversee this as we've continued to expand it. We even did a bus tour inspired by some of my interest in politics and those, those romanticized Iowa tours, which, by the way, they are romanticized. Same thing with John Madden's bus tour. We took a bus down the East Coast for a few weeks and did events and activations and philanthropic engagements for a few weeks. I think my team was going to kill me. But it was all about being part of the community and building community. And I mean, United Soccer Coaches, this is what they're about, right, is that power of community. And so the chance that we could come together and, and innovate, right, through the content, like this incredible podcast, but also the other kinds of ways we can, we can see and uh, imagine the ways you can make people better through education and learning. So that was the second thing. And then the final thing is, and I went back to this earlier, is mission, right, and impact. Because as much as we can think about how things are changing, we need to make sure that changes things in a way where more people have access to the system. And coming in the situation where we are with COVID, we've been told to stay apart from each other, but we've got to come back together, right? This is what this, this past week at, at, at the convention represented, you know, is the power of, of coming together. And sports is going to play such an important role of reestablishing that sense of normalcy. It's one of the things in this country that, that I think brings us together. And so, you know, we believe in that and, 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 and the initiatives we have. And, and I know that's something that, that's deeply believed in here. And I think, obviously, the, the way to bring that content up in the podcast. So if we have time, I'll tell you the story about Nelson Mandela that's inspired me that Let's I think is go. connected to soccer. We have time for you, my man. You're the presenting sponsor of this show that I love, and we're going to get into that as well. But I want to hear the Nelson Mandela story. Well, one thing, so one thing early on, and I, it was Brian, my partner, and I, so we started this company. We've always centered this, the power of impact, right? And we found this Nelson Mandela quote that grabbed us from the very beginning. You know, the power of sports to change the world. And it comes from a speech, ironically enough, he gave at the Laureus Sports for Good Foundation awards ceremony before Benita became the president of that organization. And so Nelson Mandela is one of my heroes, right? He's one of the greatest leaders of, of the, past, uh, the past century. Of course. And people know him, and there's a connection to sport, because there's a movie called Invictus with Matt Damon. And there's a famous story of where um, there was the sport of rugby. The World Cup was being hosted in South Africa. The South African team was playing. It was almost entirely uh, white uh, Afrikaners. And Mandela embraced the team and then showed up. And it helped unify the country coming together. And so a lot of people thought about what Mandela was saying about the power of sport to change the world came from this experience about rugby. But it's actually much deeper than that, right? It, it, it first came from this philosophy called Ubuntu, which actually the Boston Celtics adopted as their, uh, their slogan when they won the championship. And Ubuntu is, I see you, I am because you are, right? That, that we are linked together, that I can only be the best I can be if you are the best you can be. And he believed in the power of humanization, this, this idea that we're connected together, this power of team. And Mandela was in jail for decades in Robben Island, right, which I've, which I've been to. And it's in a, it's, it's, he's in this incredibly small cell. He's there for, for 20 plus years. And interestingly enough, sports was one of the things that got him through and had an influence there. And they didn't let the prisoners do a lot of things, but they let them play soccer after three years of protest. And they formed something called the Makana Sport Association. And they ended up getting certified by the soccer governing body to be an official soccer thing. And they organized their own league and everything else. And a couple of things happened. Mandela was not allowed to play in the league. But in, outside of his jail, he could hear them playing, the sound of joy, which you don't often hear in a jail. And it was one of the things he took inspiration from. But the other thing that became really interesting is, is through the soccer league that they ran in prison, the prisoners ran, they learned how to work together. They learned how to work together and collaborate. And so they came out of that experience, and the people that ran the soccer league ended up running South Africa. They ended up running the ANC. And so soccer became this foundational thing 
that was critical for them. And they ended up getting support from supporters around the world that were soccer supporters that would send them letters and they would send letters back. And so this idea of the power of sport to change the world is all we've always believed in. And soccer plays such an instrumental demonstration of that, that literally that if soccer can bring and sport can, can bring a country together like South Africa and Mandela can have the experience of sport and has the kind of impact, all the divisions we face in this country, all the challenges we face in this world, sports is an incredible platform that we have. And there's no sport like soccer. Right? So when we think about the way we want to manifest that impact, these kinds of partnerships and relationships are part of that. And Mandela ends his, his speech by talking about how sports has the power to unite people in a way that little else can. That is what we believe. And, and in many cases, the convention that happened in Kansas City is an, a testament to what people are hungry for, the ability to unite. And the work that the coaches do in this organization and in their fields is a big part of building community and, and building togetherness, which is something we need in this world. So we're honored to, to play our role in that. Simply put, sports have united you with me now. And I will tell you that I've been lucky and honored to have some of the best seats with the World Cup team and the Olympic team and Major League Soccer and the Big Ten Network. And I have to admit, doing the podcast 52 times a year after starting with NSCAA with the college game of the week on Fox Soccer and then eventually NSCA TV and then they decided to go to the podcast, it's my favorite thing that I do. And I do a lot of really neat things. And I've never missed one show. And I love the fact that you like what we're doing with this podcast and putting your name on it. Talk about that as well. Why you said, hey, I want to partner with United Soccer Coaches, but I also want to put my name on this podcast. You know, and I think um – what, what this podcast represents and, and you know, is, is so much of, uh, I think, what League App stands for, right? I mean, obviously, podcast audio, this is a, it's an innovative medium, but it's about learning, right? It's about making people better. And we do that through our technology, and we do that through our community. And I think it's, it's it, you know, United Soccer Coaches and, and, and you, Dean, have created this amazing platform. But I think the other thing I think about is just if you put yourself in the shoes of the people that are running these sports organizations around the country, right, the soccer coaches and the soccer leaders, um, they're on the go all the time, right? Uh, they're in their car. They're traveling all the time, tournaments, events, recruiting, conventions, whatever it may be. And so what this podcast does is give them a gift of learning in, that, in those moments, in those transit moments. And so people who are listening right now are, are right now in between their families and the impact that they want to have and all the work that they're doing. And so if we can help deliver moments of inspiration, uh, moments of learning, um, and help make people better and also learn from each other, I mean, that's, that's what we're all about. That's what United Soccer Coaches is about. That's certainly what this podcast is about. That's what we believe in. So uh, it's going to be an exciting uh, partnership and uh, much, much to come. Jeremy Goldberg, the president and quarterback of Lee Gaps, the United Soccer Coaches podcast is now presented by Lee Gaps. I have to admit, with all due respect to all of my guests, this has been one of the fastest and enjoyable 30 minutes I've ever spent. It's so great to have you as the presenting sponsor of United Soccer Coaches. I'm going to leave you with the last word on being involved with United Soccer Coaches and also the last word on Lee Gaps. Well, the two things I'll say is first, I don't know what kind of influence we can have as a sponsor, but I found this fascinating as well. And so I'm all for the long format podcast. So we'll see if uh, the listeners may embrace longer, longer formats here. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, what I would say to the listeners out there is we're, if, if we know you already and we're proud of all the incredible relationships and partnerships we have, across the soccer landscape. We're excited to continue to work with you. And if we don't know you, we'd love to meet you. And we'd love to understand how we can help you, right? In the context of this kind of collaboration, the, the kind of podcast guests that we could collaborate on, the kind of education 
uh, and professional development we could work on um, with the United Soccer Coaches, also through League Apps, through our technology. And so feel free to, to check out leagueapps.com and, and contact us. We'd love to, to kind of hear from you and, and love to get you part of what we're about beyond the technology and our community, our impact. Uh, we know we can do this together. So check out leagueapps.com or follow us on social media and looking forward to a, a great relationship and partnership with this entire community. Can't remember what movie it is, but uh, when he looks, oh yeah, it was Stripes when he looks over out. I want to hang out with you. I feel the same way, Dean. It's going to be a lot of fun. Lots of cover. Jeremy Goldberg, the president and quarterback of League Apps, the new presenting sponsor of United Soccer Coaches. It's an honor, and I look forward to working with you. Thank you so much. Sounds great. Have a great day. What a great way to kick off the United Soccer Coaches podcast, now presented by League Apps, spending time with their president and quarterback, Jeremy Goldberg. Big-time personality, big-time leader. Speaking of leaders and partnerships at the convention, USYS also does a workshop and gala and all kinds of events simultaneously with United Soccer Coaches. USYS, several months ago, announced Simon Collins as their new National League Commissioner. We get to know Simon Collins from USYS after this message. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. We just met the president and quarterback of Lee Gaps. Now we get into our guests as well as U.S. Youth Soccer announced back in August the hiring of Simon Collins as the new commissioner of the USYS National League with an extensive background in soccer as a player, coach, and director, both in the United States and internationally. Collins' passion for the game is broad and far-reaching. He brings more than 25 years of sports industry experience to the USYS National League, along with a vast knowledge of sports management and business. Collins most recently served as the technical director for EDP Soccer, helping to oversee four National League conferences while playing an integral part in the EDP Soccer Business Development Team. Collins holds a U.S. Soccer Grassroots and D Instructor License, U.S. Soccer A and B Licenses, UEFA B license and a United Soccer Coaches Premier Diploma. He has provided consultation services, professional adult and youth clubs, and he was a part of the USYS Olympic Development Program, ODP task force that later announced a talent identification partnership between US Youth Soccer and Major League Soccer. Collins has also worked with education authorities in the United Kingdom to develop a soccer syllabus for prestigious private schools in England. On the field, Collins has coached and developed opportunities for players in the United States and abroad. In England, Collins served as a coach in Huddersfield Towns Academy and as the manager of Bradford Park Avenue, Osset Town, and Stockbridge Park Steels, where he helped develop standout English Premier League forward Jamie Vardy. As an 11-year veteran professional soccer player, Collins made more than 200 appearances in the England Football League, playing as a defender for Huddersfield Town, Plymouth Argyle, Macclesfield Town, and Shrewsbury Town. In his most recent role as technical director for EDP Soccer, Collins worked closely with USYS National League management and proved to be a partner who sought out opportunities for collaboration and development. 
His background in the educational, coaching, playing, and administrative realms of soccer have afforded Collins a unique and vast perspective on the opportunities and challenges presented to U.S. soccer clubs, players, and families. Through his interactions and collaboration with USYS state associations and regional administration, Collins has formed productive working relationships with critical leaders and partners in the youth soccer landscape. Collins currently resides in Florida with his wife, Michelle, and two sons with plans to move soon to the national office in Frisco, Texas. Simon Collins, I will tell you that Chris Webb and Skip Gilbert and several folks told me this summer that your hire was coming and we needed to have you on. It was great to see you at the convention. Let me start by welcoming you to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate it. The guys had mentioned that we were going to hook up at some point and it were, uh, it were great to, to finally meet you in, uh, in Kansas. Yeah, I really do like that collaboration in Kansas City where the United Soccer Coaches kind of shares space and really shares networking together. Talk about what you saw through United Soccer Coaches Convention and the USYS workshop. I think the first and foremost, the standout for me is it's the co-branding that's everywhere. It just shows a, a real tight community that uh, that can be achieved. Wherever you work, there's, there's United Soccer Coach branding, obviously, and then and then our US, various USYS logos going on. But the interaction between people in and out of foyers, in the exhibit halls, it's just nice to see. It just shows that there's an awful lot of soccer people that, that are in this business for the for the good of the game and, and wanting to help kids grow. So collaborations and partnerships are vital so we can make as many opportunities for young athletes as possible. It's just a great environment and great to actually finally get to see people face-to-face -face after, after a fair while. Yeah, it was nice to be reunited. Can you pick out one or two highlights of the week in Kansas City for you personally, Simon? Well, we made the announcement of Elite 64 at the at the convention uh, on Wednesday night at our social. That's obviously a major highlight for us. But but then getting around and seeing the appetite from people in the exhibit hall and all the new up-and-coming technologies that's going to benefit the game is, is really, really exciting. And I think that's something that the youth industry is going to embrace more as it goes forward because that's what's going to elevate lots of, of young athletes' games. And then the various workshops that's going on a key, and I didn't manage to get in too many because I was in and out of our own meetings, but listening to people's feedback, it's, I learned so much from this, so many from the on-field sessions, and, and just sharing knowledge and experience is, is really key. Before we dive deeper into your role as commissioner of the USYS National League, I did have a note to ask you about Elite 64. Can you tell our audience what that is all about? Yeah, Elite 64 is what we call the addition of elite performance tier at the very top of USU soccer's programs. Last year, we launched National League Pro, which has been a huge success, which is a great pathway for individual clubs or, or a team-based model. It brings the best teams together at one, two events around the country. Elite 64 is an expansion of that into a club-based model just allowing for a bit more freedom and flexibility so clubs can, can develop players and find the right players and put them in, a, in the best game day environment. What's been really interesting, Dean, is the feedback from the clubs, and, and maybe, my, maybe Skip might give me a hard time for this, but he says uh, a lot of the feedback is, at last, USU Soccer's finally got it, and they've generated a huge buzz. And the narratives, from my perspective, has always been 
League administrators don't develop players. The clubs develop the players. We just provide the platform for them to play on. We try and make that as great an environment as possible. And just recognising that, the, the clubs embrace it. The, the direct DOCs and the technical directors, they love that language and giving them the kudos for, for the job that they do. And they're really excited to get on board and get moving with Elite 64. And dare I say, in a non-sycophantic way, Skip Gilbert and Chris Webb also made it sound like they got it when they were able to tab you as the new commissioner of the USYS National League. Can you walk us back to kind of the general negotiations and the beginning talks of becoming the new commissioner of the USYS National League and what it means to you? I was in the technical director's role at EDP and did an awful lot of consulting with I mean, it went back a while, actually. Paul Lahowski to start with, then Marley Wilson, then when Chris came in. And then, obviously, Chris were dual rolling between the op- being the operations director and, and looking after the National League. And then the opportunity arose. And, and by the way, for the record, Chris is unbelievable. She wears so many caps and, and puts the game first and really cares. And she's been a not just a, a great person to work with, but turned into a great friend as well. She keeps me in, in check. I can be a blue sky thinker an awful lot of the time and then bring me back down to earth. And Chris has been that one that's like, I'll, I'll push for everything. And Chris has pulled it in line and complete transparency. This Elite 64, the birthplace was a, a late night in the office in Frisco with me and Chris. And Skip came in the next door and saw all the scribblings on a whiteboard. And he's like, what is this? That's kind of where Elite 64 was born out of a late night with Chris discussing what we should do, how we should do it. And, and what direction we should go in. So she deserves a great deal of credit. I share your views on Chris, and I'm glad that you brought it here. I just read your extensive background, both as a player and as a coach and as an administrator. When did you know that, uh, one, you wanted to come to the United States and make a difference over here in our soccer landscape? To be truthful, when I left England, I didn't want anything to do with soccer. I'd been involved in the professional game from being 12 year old. And like with most, it's as you can imagine, it's super challenging. It's very cutthroat and I just needed needed a break. We had a vacation villa in, in Orlando and we moved the family across. And I actually ticked a volunteer box so my two boys could make friends. And that's how it started. And I remember to this day walking across the field with the, the club registrar and he said, uh, he said to me, have you got any experience? And my wife turned around and went, it's starting all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. What a, yeah. What a great story. And then, and then you were in, then things just started to, to develop after that, Simon. It, it did. I mean, the, the club was called St. Cloud Soccer Club, tiny, tiny little club would find it very difficult to, to challenge anybody, any of these big juggernauts in this day and age, but, but serves a great community. And then I kind of was dragged to a, a league meeting where they were de- declaring teams to what levels they were going to play. At. And I'm listening to this and I'm going, Oh my God. What am I listening to? How can you pick a team and put them in from D1 into D3? And, and I found out what sandbagging was, by the way. Um, <laughs> and, then it, and then it all grew from there. So I, I got involved consulting a little bit with the league and I helped the, the president of the league at the time. He just bounced ideas around. And I knew a couple of friends in the US that, that I'd played with. Uh, in fact, a guy called Nick Heineman at, at PDA. He called me up and he said, hey, there's a, there's a job going with EDP Soccer. He says, I think you'd be perfect for it. And I'm like, Nick, I'm not interested in anything like that. Anyway, I spoke to to one of the owners, Alan Schilling, and we got on the phone and hit it off. And he he flew me up and I thought, do you know what? Maybe I can make a difference or 
or maybe I can share some of some of my experiences and, and change a few people's lives for for the better, obviously. But at that point, when I decided to do that, I said, well, I'm, if I'm going to go down this path, I want to fully embrace in, in what soccer is the US, hence doing the coaching licenses, the instructor licenses and so on and so forth. Then I could hear what was going on around the country and be better versed, which has been a great foundation for the job that I'm in now. Simon Collins, the job that he's in now is the new commissioner of the USYS National League. In your own words, if someone said, Simon, what is the USYS National League? How do you answer that question? I think it's, it's the apex of youth sport right now. It's a home for the elite soccer players. It challenges them both on and off the field as we dig more and more into sort of the, the off-field data collection and so on and so forth. I think the, the National League is whipped. We, we connect the top teams from 13 geographical located conferences to come together and showcase themselves. And to be brutally honest, the U.S. soccer's mission to make soccer the preeminent sport is one. I'd like to see the U.S. seriously challenge for major honours in, in major championships, World Cups, etc. I think we're a fair way from that yet, but if we can all contribute to that, then we should be in a better place going forward. When I look around and I see the development even of college soccer for men and women and on the men's side, a lot of people say, you know, is college soccer still relevant? Then you just watch the Major League Soccer draft even this year and you see, yes, it is relevant with those players being developed. And then on the women's side, college soccer, the parity all the way across is huge. I've got to believe that the USYS National League has played a key role in their development as well. The college game recruit from from all all over, not just in the US, but I mean, and this is some things that parents need to understand. They have budgets now to pull from Europe as well. And what we've got to do is make sure that we provide opportunities to showcase the kids, give them the best chance to put the best foot forward. And I'll just flip back to Elite 64. One of the, the major factors of Elite 64 is that every single game is a recruitable moment. Now, when I'm, when talking with people, they challenge me on, how does a 13-year-old need a recruitable moment? For the small percentage that could go professionally, that's actually two years too late. They're scouting kids at 12-year-old and, and some even younger. So it's just changing the mantra so that we're not just playing league games for the sake of it and making every game, a, like I said, a recruitable moment so that the players and the parents are more in control of their own destiny so they've got factual data and information that's going to support the case going forward. Let's talk about accomplishments. Let's talk about short-term goals moving forward and then bigger picture, longer-term goals, maybe two, three, four, five years down the road. You've been on the job just a short five months as the new commissioner of the USYS National League. What is something that you've accomplished in those five months that you're proud of already, Simon? Well, other than the launch of Elite 64, what's, I think, I have a, an, an unbelievable team of people. And I think one of the major accomplishments is the fact that they've, they've stayed on board and bought into what we're trying to do uh, and become an integral part. I'm a big believer in allowing people to, to grow and, and share their ideas without fear. And they've done that. The guys have expressed that. I've got three general managers, Mark Franklin, Mike Leland, Jonathan Burzins, all dotted around the country. They've managed to embrace the vision that we've got short-term, mid-term and long-term and been big believers in USYS. So I think seeing that team come together has been really pleasing because as you know, you go in, into a, a new organization and you could come in and people go in with a wrecking ball and 
I've got my friends and this, that and the other that wants to come and work with me. That's it's never been on the table. We've, we've got a great support team and they do a great job. How about your short-term goals, things you want to accomplish now that we've entered 2022? And by the way, of course, you took on this job during this crazy pandemic, which never is easy, but hopefully we're turning the corner on that. Uh, what are your goals for 2022, Simon? Short-term is to continue the growth of National League Pro. That's something that, that we're proud of. And for those that know, know Pro is actually an acronym for Player Recruitment Opportunity. So digging dig a little deeper into what that means. Uh, what's it mean for the player, their recruitment, and how many more opportunities can we provide? Not just at National League now. So that can actually start to trickle into state-level leagues, local member affiliate leagues, and everybody can jump on board and embrace that. The next real thing is to try and help mum and dad understand what the soccer pathway is. If you speak to a lot of people out there, depending on what level their young athletes play at, they have a different opinion and view of what a soccer pathway is. Let's face it, Dean, it's bloody confusing, to be honest with you. There's so much out there. Mum and dad don't know whether they're being pushed and pulled. And I think if we can educate them and let them pick themselves, whichever platform they choose is okay, but let's give them a bit more information so that they're a bit more knowledgeable about what USYS offers, US club, AYSO, whichever, whichever. Let's try and bring a bit more clarity to that would be a short single. With such an established career, it's clear that you also look ahead. How about down the road, three, four, five years from now, what is something big that you want to accomplish in this role as the new commissioner of the USYS National League? The big one for me, Dean, and it came out, I did a talk with a few coaches a couple of months into, into taking the position and just listening to them share their ideas on, on what soccer was in their particular area. And I, and I asked them, so just come and write one word on a whiteboard as to what they thought drove the sport. And they're coming up with the buzzwords from the game and so on and so forth. And actually what actually were more evident is fear drives the sport. The fear of not being on the right team, the fear of not being at the right club or in the right platform, et cetera. Et cetera. Long-term goal is to try and remove that fear and allow kids to play and not worry about not being at the right club or the right team and just provide more opportunities for them and try and drop some of the rules that's out there as well. We do too much telling teams no. I've told my guys from this point on, it's never no. It's always yes. Let's work together to get you to a yes. And I think we've been stuck in that for that mindset for, for a little bit too long, and we're going to change that. I really appreciate that. Because you have such an extensive background, I'm going to ask you a question I ask all, almost all my guests, and that is about memories and mentors and your background is so extensive it might be tough but as you think about a great memory as a player and as a coach or administrator or all of it what are some great memories in your career that come to mind I've got some great ones I can share and some ones I can't uh, <laughs> I think the, the first one would be an old guy turning up on a bicycle with an old tweed flat cap and and going up to my dad and, and asking who asking if I was his son and then inviting me to go to Huddersfield Town for a trial, uh, which I would have been about 11 year old at the time. And what's really, really more important, the guy's called Colin Sands. He's remained a family friend ever since. My mum and dad visit him every Christmas and he always asks, how are we doing? And so on and so forth. So the sheer fact that that one guy went out of his way to offer me an opportunity, 
I would be wrong not to at least to try and offer the same back to some of the other kids. So that that's one of my first memories. And I it's my always my go-to, if you will. If somebody gave me a chance, I'd be wrong not to try and offer the same to others. And then from in the game, oh, walking out at Wembley Stadium was a buzz. Didn't get on the field, but managed. And then I, I always joke with people that I've sung karaoke in front of 66,000 people, which obviously was the national anthem, by the way. Um, <laughs> So that's a fun one. And then and then we, we actually got promoted, which was even better. From a negative, we got relegated at, uh, when was it, Plymouth Argyle, which is not fun. And I've been fortunate. I've had some great managers, Brian Horton, Neil Warnock, one of the most successful managers outside the English Premier League. And they're great characters as well. Um, so just learning from some of their, their management styles. And I, obviously, I don't see a great deal of them now, but, uh, but, but back in the day, I reflect on what they did and and how would I do things now? And they were fierce characters, by the way. They didn't, they didn't take any prisoners. So yeah, I've been I've been fortunate to, to play with some great players as well that's gone and played in the Premier League uh, and made a great name for themselves. So I've been lucky. Yeah, you touched on a couple of names. Are there some other mentors that you'd like to mention here during this interview? As with Simon Collins as the new commissioner of the USYS National League that has helped you uh, get to where you are today. Do, do you know what? This is going to sound a bit soft, but. My main mentor is my dad. He uh, never wavered once, never really challenged me other than saying what you do is up to you. And he had a, he used to have a saying, he said, I will take you to any white line. When you cross it, it's all up to you. And he never said anything on the sideline. Obviously got grilled a great deal when I got in the car on the way home. But he's always he's always been there, always been supportive and still is, by the way. So, yeah, my, my dad plays a, a key role. He's just been over for Christmas uh, with my mum as well. And while I've been on the phone for 10 hours a day, he's sat in the chair behind where, where I'm sitting now and listened to every single phone call and still can't figure out what soccer's like in the US. From a, from a playing standpoint, I've had various conversations, keeping contact with a lot of people, to be honest with you. I wouldn't have any major standout mentor. I think it's all about the network you have and surrounding yourself with positive people and people that are honest with you as well and tell you that's not going to work. So I think it's a collective network as opposed to one particular mentor. Yeah, there's nothing soft about your dad as well. I feel the same way about my dad. Two more questions for you. The next one is about your family. I found it interesting that you've got two kids, including one that sounds like a surefire D1 college football kicker, the American football and another one that plays taekwondo tell us a little bit about your family Zachary turned 11 in September in fact the, the first the very day I started in this job was his birthday and he's working his way through his uh, his various belts at taekwondo which has been great for him getting dedicated to something and finally finding something that he's interested in so he can he can hang out with his with his buddies and and challenge themselves and he's now got to a stage where he's, he's going to go to an event and actually fight people which if you've ever been to a one of these events, I didn't realize it, but Karate Kid is actually real. <laughs> it's uh, going there. Yeah. It's, it's insane. It's the super energy. And I'm like, wow, I'm just I'm looking out for Danny, whatever, LaRusso, whatever he is in here. Somewhere. <laughs> it's been great and he loves it. It's it's full of energy and, and he, he hangs out with his mates and he's looking to try and get himself to a black belt. So he's got a goal. And Joseph's my my older one, and he played soccer a little bit when he was about nine and ten, but absolutely hated it, hated it. 
to the point where he'd be in tears. We'd be dragging him out of the house. He decided enough's enough and he didn't play. And then his friends got to playing with Pop Warner, local football team, and he played, I want to say he played free safety. And by the way, I'm, ne- I'm saying like I know these positions. I, I really don't, honestly. I have no idea. And, uh, and the coach says, does, does anybody want to try kicking? And, and the, the kid said, Joseph's dad's an ex-professional soccer player. He'll be good at it. As if me being a player means he's going to be good at it. They lined him up from about a 10 yard and, uh, and he smacked this ball straight through the post and everybody turned around and like, oh my goodness. Bear in mind, this was 18 months ago. That's all. And then at the end of the season, when he'd finished playing, one of the coaches came up to me and said, you need to go and take take him into some proper a proper environment for kickers. So we, we took him to what's called a Coles event and then a Kicking World event and then a Cornblue event. And over the space of the last 12 months, he's just gone like this. He's on everybody's top list in all the competitions. And he went to a national ranking event in December with all the, bear in mind, he's a 2025 graduate. So he's just, he's a freshman, just turned 15 and he's out kicking seniors. Mm. And he actually came seventh overall and he's on this hot prospect list. So he's got his own future ahead of him. Hopefully he can stay on the straight and narrow, but it's fun to watch them both. I will tell you this though. It's great watching your kids do a different sport when you have no idea what the rules are. Mm. Just be a dad. Just looks like a game of all pile on, or can I hit each other with pool noodles if I'm at Taekwondo? It's it's brilliant. I don't get to pass comment and I, I can just be a dad. It's great. I love that answer. I call every sport, but my favorite thing to do is to watch my kids play sports. So I appreciate that. As we close out, we started by saying that back in August, you were named the new commissioner of the USYS National League. In your own words, when you hear U.S. Youth Soccer or U.S.Y.S. What does the organization mean to Simon Collins? First and foremost, it's the largest youth soccer organization in the world. It has all the history, it has the infrastructure, and it has the potential to change millions of young athletes' lives. And I just think it's a great platform. It's honest and it's got a lot of good people that's in there for the right reasons. So for me, it's just it's authentic. To Chris Webb's credit, as well as Skip Gilbert, they said we needed to have you on. This was great. Simon Collins, the new commissioner of the USYS National League, announced in August, almost six months into the job. A pleasure meeting you at the convention and an even better pleasure to have you on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Thanks for being with us, Simon. Thanks, Dean. Pleasure. Definitely want to thank Chris Webb as well as Ryan Loy from USYS for making sure that we get Simon Collins on today's show. Coming up, Anna Witte, who I've called games with on the Big Ten Network and with the North Carolina Courage. She played at Penn State. She was the co-host sitting in for me on Thursday while I was gone calling an ACC basketball game. She sat down with several great people, including Aaron McLeod, the Canadian gold medalist from the recent Olympics, and Dr. Rachel Linval from the Mindful Project. We'll learn about the Mindful Project from Aaron McLeod and Dr. Rachel Linval when we return. This is Dean Linke with a quick message from United Soccer Coaches College Programs Department. 
United Soccer Coaches College Services program benefits do not stop once the season ends. Your registration continues to work for you and your team with 2021-22 eligibility for Team Academic and Team Pinnacle Awards, plus all-season representation with the NCAA, NAIA, and Junior College governing bodies. If you have not registered for United Soccer Coaches College Services, please consider doing so today. Join the College Services Program now. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I'm Anna Witte on Podcast Row in Kansas City, joined by the co-founders of The Mindful Project, Rachel Linval and Aaron McLeod. Thank you so much for being here and talking about your company. Let's start from the very beginning. How do you two know each other? Yeah, so Rachel and I, I should say Dr. Rachel Linval. Um, I like calling her the doctor. <laughs> we kept in touch actually, um, her and her husband were coaching a university soccer program. And essentially kind of reached out. We connected more from like a type of role model, like um, kind of empowering woman type of uh, emails back and forth. And then we had dinner in like Eastern Germany, Thai food. I remember the restaurant, it was so good. In Eastern Germany, you <laughs> had Eastern, Thai food. That's yeah. correct, that's okay. a really good place. Anyway, so we're, we're sitting down and I'm at a point in my career where I've really started to invest more in mindfulness and Coincidentally, Rachel is in the middle of getting her doctorate in mindfulness research. So we're kind of like, you know, those conversations when you're like, how are we going to change the world? And we're like, what if we knew all of the stuff that we were talking about when we were 20 or even younger? Like, how much more could we learn and grow and enjoy the moment? Like, all these kind of things. And that's kind of how we started at least chatting about the Mindful Project. And from then, we we're kind of like bouncing ideas back and forth. and we kind of discussed, well, why don't we have like a personal development type of course? Because generally in sport and anything in high performance, you can be your own worst enemy. And that doesn't always have to be the case. And then, you know, pair it with mindfulness, these tools that help us be in the present moment, help us deal with anxiety and stress and all these things, pair those together and out of that, you know, help you be the best version of yourself. And um, over the years, like it took a lot of time and effort back and forth, but then we came out with a product that we're really, really proud of. To go back a little bit, Erin is a professional player in the NWSL. She's a professional women's soccer player with the Canadian national team. And Rachel has coaching experience, playing experience. Erin touched on the fact that you got a degree in mindfulness. What were you looking to do with that? Yeah, actually, I went into it. So I was uh, at the time I was coaching and I also was a university professor and I was just seeing so much increased stress and anxiety. And this is before COVID. Like, obviously, now we all think about, oh, yeah, they're having stress and anxiety as college athletes or as, as college students. But before that, I was just hearing them talk about all the time how stressed out they were. I felt like there was so much more fear of failure, so much more just anxiety in general. So I thought, it's just, is this just my observation or is this actually a thing? And so actually going into my doctoral program, my whole goal was getting tools that I could help my athletes and help my students. And so in that, that ended up leading me towards mindfulness. I didn't actually go in planning on, on uh, researching mindfulness, but as I looked at stress and anxiety, mindfulness kept coming up as the thing that was such a mitigating factor to reduce stress and anxiety and to increase performance in athletes. Um, and so that's really what led me to that. And then I, I had just started, I was just a few months in, when we had our conversation over Thai food in East, in East Germany, <laughs> Very right? We had been talking back and forth. And yeah. so we were like, you know, Aaron's like, hey, let's do dinner. And so, so yeah, talking about that and, and just her experiences and then my research and kind of putting things together, um, it just grew from there. And I think I'm such a nerd about like tools 
for whoever I'm working with, whether it's now I'm in, in you know, working with some corporate professionals, but with, with whoever we're working with, college students, uh, athletes, uh, whoever it is, I love giving tools. And I think both of us are, are really, we love helping and investing mm -hmm. in people. Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of what started that journey on getting my doctorate. Aaron, before you knew about all these tools, being a professional player, being a collegiate player, how did you handle mindfulness and, and dealing with that? Well, we actually had a really interesting conversation today about like, when do we become aware in general of our thoughts, of like our train of thinking and um, any habits, mental habits specifically. And I can honestly say in college, like, you know, I would like think positive and I would write in my journal and I've always been obsessed with learning and high performance, but um, I never really took the angle of like observing myself um, because I think I didn't have an understanding that like, if you are hard on yourself when you make a mistake, for example, being hard on yourself actually slows down your learning. There's research that proves that self-compassion develops grit, that mm -hmm. willingness to get up and try again. And, and for me, I didn't understand that. And the nice thing about self-compassion is it feels a lot better mm -hmm. than being a jerk to yourself. And, and I think this is such a common thing among especially um, high-performing athletes. They, they teeter on being a perfectionist and a high performer, right? right. And um, for me, at Penn, like at Penn State, I can remember, like, we are, I had to do it once. <laughs> Penn State. Um, <laughs> no, but, like, you know, I, I mean, I love the game so much, and I was just obsessed with improvement, but I, I had this inner battle going on about when I would mess up, and, and because I was so harsh towards myself, I was, I couldn't get over mistakes, and similarly, like, I couldn't, I was always worried about making that mistake in the future, right? Whether or not that was going to happen. And that's the definition of anxiety when you're like worrying about the past or the future. And so for me, I didn't really realize it was like, you know, there could be another way until I had a really significant conversation with my sports psych. Mm -hmm. And to make a long rant longer, um, you know, we, we kind of got into this conversation about art. Long story short, he asked me about mistakes in art. And it was like the first time I thought it was the weirdest question. I'm like, you don't make mistakes in art. You like start again or you paint over it. Or, And then I was like, holy crap, like the way we see mistakes is a choice. And we, we develop, you know, Dr. Carol Dweck, we talk about all the time, does some incredible work around fixed and growth mindset. And we develop these as early as three and a half years old. So for us, such a huge part of the Mindful Project is like, okay, let's help these young people or people of any age be aware of these mental habits that can like literally be the reason they are moving forward in the world or not. Not only players have this anxiety, you kind of touched on it yourself, coaches, people yeah. in the corporate world like you work in, Rachel. After that dinner you had in East Germany at this Thai restaurant, which I need to know the name now. I know. I feel like they should be giving us a cut for any money this episode makes. Right. The anyway. sponsor of this episode. <laughs> yes. Um, what did you do next to start moving forward with the Mindful Project? Yeah. So from there, I mean, we just kind of kept talking back and forth because initially it was this idea of like, could we do something? you know, that, that could, you know, what if we could make a difference on these young players' lives? And then actually it was several months later and, and uh, we actually, my husband and I went to help her move from, you know, from Southern Germany up to One Sweden. One of the times, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it was in a hotel room with, a, with a, a notebook and she's like, let's do something with this. Like, she's like, I'm getting towards the end of my career. I probably only have like 10 or 15 years left. And so, <laughs> um, you know, in that, let's start planning for actually, you know, I want to give back. Let's do something with what I have learned and with my research. And she said, Let's, let's do something with this. And so 
we actually just started writing out, you know, ideas for the Mindful Project. Started writing out, you know, a curriculum based on stuff I had researched, based on her experiences. And then literally, like, I think the next several times we were together, we were, because we, how many times have we taken it to the airport? You know, and I think it's like in I feel those. like we're always going to the airport. I know, right? <laughs> and, then, and then we literally started writing out scripts. Like, we have so many things where we have been in, in transit somewhere. It, you know, she's with the national team and she's like, hey, can I ride with my business partner? And we're three hours, you know, from southern Portugal to Lisbon writing scripts. And like literally that's our grassroots, how it began. Yeah. And then it was actually it'll be three years next month that we became an official company. We said, all right, are we doing this? And we were in Portugal watching her and she was there uh, for the Algarve Cup and uh, in 2019. And yeah. we, you know, said, all right, this is official. Let's do this. And so we registered as a company and started actually, you know, putting together we have. Um, our curriculum is, uh, you know, we have cartoons, we have audios, and we literally started the cart our very first cartoon there with <laughs> our very first, you know, the foundation of what is the Mindful Project, what is mindfulness, helping people understand what's that very first step. So You've touched on it a little bit. What is the Mindful Project? So what is the Mindful Project? Uh, we have a curriculum. It's a 12-chapter curriculum, and it's, it's essentially creating that foundation of mindfulness, awareness, tools you can use for stress and anxiety, and tools for building confidence confidence, helping with motivation, helping with wherever you're at with your team. You know, sometimes you're, you don't like your role. How do you be your best self, you know, in that role? How do you handle injuries? How do you handle, you know, like change, you know, getting a new coach, going to a new school, whatever it is, you know, a change in role. How do you handle that? So through my research, her experience, we've created this 12 chapter curriculum that is a lot different than other apps that are out there because a lot of apps out there have really good information. But it's not necessarily, you know, a structure that's going to make true mental change. And that's our goal is to make after someone goes through our program that it actually changes the way they think. And you're not having to come back, you know, to keep referring to something. You actually have changed the way you think. And so we have uh, youth programs. We have our high performance program, which is for basically, uh, you know, college and, uh, and professional. And then uh, we also have an injury program for specifically for teams that, you know, are individuals that have gone through a recent injury, a breathing series, which is about tools of our, how breathing can improve your performance, not just mentally, but even physically. Mm -hmm. um, do you have anything else you want to add to that, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I mean, to break it down, um, like what a, a typical week would look like, just for any of the listeners, like um, our, our entire program is online, obviously, but, you know, one day you'll watch a cartoon with a concept. And then following that, you'll listen to an audio, which is, um, you know, basically a, a, a guided audio, we call them instead of a meditation, um, but you listen to it and then you kind of put yourself in a situation where you would apply that concept. And then there's a PDF after that where you apply it immediately. So we do the definition of like what mindfulness is, being in the present moment uh, without judging yourself. And then and then you go, okay, we'll apply this to right now. And, and you, you kind of take out moments in your day where you can apply your mindfulness and the same with awareness you know maybe that's the next day so they're able to take away you know things immediately apply it imme immediately because I think when people are like oh just practice mindfulness you know <laughs> why are you how? doing that <laughs> you know and, ha and how exactly and, and what do you want to get out of it you know right. we're we're high performers so it's like and I know working with any high performance athlete if you tell them to do something they, they want to know why? Why is this going to get me to the next level or else I'm wasting my time? So, um, and then we also have um, mindful coloring sessions, different ways to like just practice your focus. We have different reviews. I mean, also some of the fantastic part about Rachel's research is we all learn differently as well. We all remember di things differently. So we're trying to target all these different learning styles as well within the program. You mentioned people all learn differently, some visually by listening 
how do you diversify what you do to make sure that everyone who signs up for the Mindful Project can get the same results? Yeah, so one of the things in research is basically, like you said, like that visual, that audio, that, that you know, reading, uh, that application, that review. So essentially, uh, if, if you're going to take a class on learning about learning, which I, I have in my doctoral, several of them, we basically have applied it. So if someone that has all that information were to look at our program, they're going to say, oh, yep, there's the review, there's the application, there's the visual, there's the auditory, there's the actual movement physically doing something, you know. So we have taken all of the aspects of research that shows how do people learn and put it throughout our program. So everything about our program is incredibly intentional. Mm -hmm. um, I'm probably a nerd in how much <laughs> I love how intentional it is, but so right. basically that's that's how we have incorporated that. And we even have a mindful mobility, so it's actually like a physical movement, being aware of your body, being aware of your, your breathing, uh, and Aaron uh, leads those. So we've really kind of covered everything that research shows that you can. Yeah, and I think too, like, um, you know, now we have a, a kind of a next steps program, which we're also really proud of, and. Um, I think initially it was kind of an introduction, like these are all the different types of mindfulness tools that are out there here, work on your you know, personal development, mental habits, all these kind of things. And then the next steps is kind of like, make it your own, right? Like what, cause some people will love the mindful coloring and some people <laughs> won't want to spend any time on it. So it's about establishing your own mindfulness program to get the most out of yourself every day. You mentioned this being a program. How long does it take to go through the program? So it's 12 chapters and we really recommend, people can take as long as they want to go through it, but we recommend one chapter a week because yeah, you could go through it all in one week, but you're not going to retain it. So ideally, like with teams that we work with, we ideally say, you know, one chapter a week um, to be able to spread it out, to be able to have that application. So a lot of our university teams that we work with, some of them will do it, you know, pre-training, they'll do it all together. Or some of them will do it on their own and then they come together you know, once a week and talk about what are you learning, how are you applying this. We have application questions that they can actually use in a team setting if they want to. Um, so that's really, again, you, you can spread it out as long as you want to, but we don't recommend people do it shorter than that amount of time. Plus the research shows that six to eight weeks is really that time you know, to really truly make those changes and those mental changes. So getting that 12 week mark is really trying to really make sure that people walk away with an understanding of what it is and how to apply it. You mentioned that you work with colleges, professionals. How did you pitch yourself to colleges, make yourself known? This will be the second Penn State shout out in this. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> hey, I love it. I'm yeah, like yeah, yeah, the no, biggest no. Penn State fan. Um, no, but I mean, I think like Erica's at Penn State and Kara and like, uh, you know, obviously we connected. They were one of the first teams that we connected with because selfishly, I was like, wouldn't this be so cool to give back to the university that gave me so much? And so we connected with them. And also, I think because of the pandemic and a lot of things going on um, and the mental health struggles that a lot of specifically university students are facing, it kind of the connection after that kind of just happened, I think, organically. And, you know, the word of mouth spread just that this was a program that could help people really understand themselves, their mind better, how to not ignore the anxiety, because I think a lot of what's happening right now, and especially the media, a lot of athletes are just full out stopping and pulling out and everyone to each their own. And I'm not, that's not, I'm not trying to um, insult anyone, but I think the reality is now basically everyone has anxiety. So like, how do we deal with it? How do we maybe minimize it in certain moments? How do we read the cues of our body? So when we started with Penn State, it was a fantastic connection. Uh, we're so proud to be working with them and kind of word of mouth got around and just um, people, some people that we know. And, and from there, it's just really grown. And um, it's something like I'm just so 
proud to see people like doing your program and, and for them making a huge difference um, with their confidence and, and how they see themselves. Like my self-worth has been something I have struggled with my whole life. And to have these like young, young people who are hungry and just want to make a huge change in the world in their own game, like to see them value themselves in a different light because of this program. Um, those small moments, it's like <laughs> all the moments where we weren't sleeping and working around the clock to make this thing a reality right. uh, have all been worth it. Well, it's cool that you've seen the impact that those conversations you've made going to the airport and writing down in your notebook have made an impact on these young people's lives. Since this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast and you are a coach, we're a coach, Rachel, how have you seen this kind of program impact coaches? I think it gives coaches a... a a talking point with their players because we've had so many coaches that come to us because we don't work with just with soccer we have you know we have lacrosse we have softball we have gymnastics like we have swimming diving mm -hmm. we have so many different sports and so right. many coaches have just kind of said i don't i want to help my athletes and i don't know what to do mm -hmm. and it has given them a, a a way to empower them like a lot of times we have coaches that they are a week ahead of their team so that way they do the program the week before and then when their team does it the next week they they have gone through it and so they're able to have talking points with them and they have an understanding of it so they're learning at the same time and so we're empowering them with these same tools that we're empowering the athletes with but now they feel equipped to be able to mm -hmm. you know empower their athletes with these same tools and i also think over the years like mental health has been something that it hasn't been overlooked necessarily but i think now we're recognizing that mental health is the number one and if that is going great or okay at least then then everything else you can perform at your best because if mentally you're not all there if you're never in the present moment for example you know then you're not going to perform at your best so i think that's been a big shift and i think now like even with the national team we have a team connection specialist that works with us and this is becoming a position that's happening in a lot of teams and and also the sports side of things and for me this is a program that helps establish that that you know those areas Aaron as a player you've been saying this mindfulness has been something you've noticed or you've been working on your entire life and and now that you're here and you have the mindful project where have you really seen it impact you as a player on the field yeah so um I've always been a really nervous player and uh, what do you mean by that like Game day, game day, the morning game day, I've got like, I'm saying killer moss because people say butterflies. I have like killer moss in my <laughs> belly the moment I wake up. Okay. And that was like my, my normal. And I still get really nervous every single game. And I think for me, like recognizing that my relationship with stress, the relationship with how I deal with being in the moment made a really big difference. So I, I was totally, like I said, I was caught in the past a lot, caught in the future, and I didn't know how to be in the present moment. And I know it seems like a really simple concept, but like if you tell someone to be in the moment, they're like, okay, well, you know, how do I do that? So I started like very, very, very simple. Like I worked with this man named Dr. Kerry Evans, who's fantastic. And he just said like, breathe in for three seconds, exhale for four. And I thought <laughs> there's no way it's this simple, right? And then I started doing it and the counting, like put, put a pause in my mind going like a million miles an hour. And then the longer out breath helped activate my parasympathetic nervous system, which calms your body down, can make clear decisions. And what I recognize is like, okay, it's very normal for your mind to think. That's what it's like programmed to do, right? So I would do this breathing and then 10 seconds later, I would be thinking about something else in the past. And then I would do that breath again. And then I was there for 10 seconds and then I'd be somewhere else. 
but then I would just repeatedly do it over and over and over. And now I have this tool that I don't judge myself when I go elsewhere, because again, that's what your mind's supposed to do. Um, but I'm able to bring myself back and I have all these other tools like watching the spin of the ball, for example, is another tool that Interesting. helps make me, I think, one of the best in the world at crosses because instead of focusing on this and that and that, I'm focusing on one thing and I'm able to focus on that the whole time. So I've, I've found these different techniques that help me be right here, right now. Another one, the one that I find helped me a lot is expanding my vision. And I got this one from Dr. Carrie Evans as well. It has like a calming effect on your brain. And as a goalkeeper, it's really natural. Like you open up your vision, you have to give instruction to your left fullback, your right full, whatever, you know, position that, uh, or formation that you're in. And immediately, like I'm able to calm down, be in the moment more. And as a player, I have these tools now that if, especially those days that I'm nervous, because it always happens, I have this sense of relief because I know I have my tools and I know I'm going to be able to get back to the moment and have the performance that like I believe I deserve to have because of all the work I've done. Goalkeepers are also in that weird spot where depending on how the game's going, maybe you'll be thinking a lot about other things because you're not touching the ball. You're not yeah. as involved in the game. And I think it's funny when you said breathe in, breathe out for three seconds, four seconds. You didn't believe in it because I, a lot of competitive people, you know, are always told that the simple route isn't going to get you where you want to go. Yet that simple pattern of breathing sounds like got you where you wanted to go when it came to mindfulness. So that's kind of unique. Yeah. Well, and I still use it. That's still the technique I see that, like use the most today. Like if you see me play, literally, you'll sometimes see me being like one, two, three, and it's simple, but it works. And I think we're all wired differently. People say, oh, is that the technique I'm supposed to use? But the one thing that's always in the present moment is your body. So for me, connecting with my breath has been an incredible anchor. But we've talked about some people like to have a, an elastic band around their wrist, and if their mind gets away from them, they just snap the elastic on their wrist and it brings them back. And or some people it's sound or whatever it is. Um, and it's been really helpful for me. And I notice that I'm a calmer player. When people watch me play, they say, wow, you just look so calm and composed out there. What a compliment. I know, I'm like, well, thank goodness. I've only been doing this for, no. But, um, but I, and I really, I attribute it completely to, to my breathing. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing your background in mindfulness and everything that you guys have learned and brought into the Mindful Project. Where can people find you? You can find us at uh, themindfulproject.us is our website. Uh, we're on Instagram, underscore Mindful Project. And then tomorrow we're actually going to be presenting at 11 o'clock and we're going to be talking about tools specifically for coaches because during this pandemic, we've had so many tools for athletes. And I think that we're, we want to help athletes, or I'm sorry, help coaches be more self-aware because right. we don't realize not the, the impact that the negative impact that we can have, you know, on our players through our tone, through our body language, if we're not really aware of what's going on in our brain. And so that's our goal for tomorrow at 11. Mm -hmm. um, so and then uh, Aaron will also be at the keynote at the women's soccer breakfast tomorrow morning um, as well. Amazing. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing the incredible work that you're doing with your company. Best of luck and enjoy your time in Kansas City. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Great to have Anna Witte on Podcast Roll this week. And what a wonderful interview with the Mindful Project. Erin McLeod, a gold medal winner for Canada, and Dr. Rachel Linval, the founders of the Mindful Project. Speaking of podcast role, Brandon Milburn, the digital marketing specialist for United Soccer Coaches, was the manager of the super successful podcast role. This young man has energy, he's got drive, he's got charisma. And we meet Brandon Milburn when we return.
Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform. From robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations, League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. And welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, now presented by Lee Gaps. We're joined by Brandon Milburn, the Digital Marketing Specialist for United Soccer Coaches. And as it relates to the United Soccer Coaches Convention, which was a huge success, Brandon Milburn was the manager of Podcast Row. He was everywhere. He was visible. He was excited. The young man is a super talent. And he joins me now, Brandon Milburn. Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, now presented by Lee Gaps. Dean, thank you for having me on. I've been uh, listening to you ever since I knew about the association. And since I've been starting here at work, it's been a lot of fun to, to see kind of how the show's going to be growing here. And it was a blast to be able to do the convention with you guys. I'm excited to be on the show. Yeah, it was an honor to work with you even before the convention, but then to see you in action, Brandon, I feel like you talk about season the moment, seize the day. I felt like it was your mission, not only to make sure podcast role was a success, we'll get into that. But it was also your mission to make sure that you took in everything that the convention was. Absolutely. The association has some amazing people working for it. And there's a lot of amazing things that people are able to do at the convention. So many different activities that people get involved in. And it's just great after everything we've been dealing with for the past two years to see everybody come together, have fun smile, joke around. I made a tweet and I was saying, you know, I feel like a big piece of me has been missing ever since I played. And I realized that it's it's not so much about the playing the game, the ball and the going the back of the net. It's not so much about that. It's about those connections that you make with your teammates, your coaches, the fans that are watching, those feelings that you get, you know, throughout the practices and the, and the games and even the difficult times of being on a team, you know, if you have that support around you, it's difficult having good people around you is always fun. So when you're at the convention, you're working hard, you're around other people, it's it might be hard, but it's, it's it's a different kind of hard. One of the things I like about you is you do not acknowledge the word no. If somebody needs something, your answer is always yes. And specifically in your role at the convention of managing podcast role, the podcast role has never been as successful as this was, as there was more than 20 podcasts there. You took that role seriously. You got to know everybody. Talk about what that meant. I initially actually was not a full-time employee yet for United Soccer Coaches when I was given the opportunity to manage Podcast Row. I was still working at Challenger Sports, my former employer. I met with Jeff. I said, hey, I really want to get involved with the convention. I don't care if you pay me. I don't care what it is, what I have to do. Just I want to be there. I want to help out. And he was able to, to introduce me to Sean Chevro and the rest of the team. And he was, you know, hey, we want we want you guys to blow this up. We know that, you know, a lot of people in the podcast world, and the influencer world. And I said, hey, let's do it. And then while I was building up that podcast row list and, and talking to these shows and, and you know, working to, to make this event as uh, successful as possible, the job opportunity popped up. I applied and, you know, I loved working at Challenger Sports. We were, uh, we were able to accomplish a lot in the soccer camp industry while I was there coming out of college. But I've been wanting to work 
work at this association since, <laughs> since before college. Once that opportunity was provided to me, I was like, all right, we're doing it. And uh, podcast row is three times the size as it was when they first started in Chicago in 2019. I believe it was only six shows, seven shows, you'll have to tell me. It was 23 shows, only one show had to cancel due to COVID. And overwhelmingly, I think everyone had a lot of fun and it was a huge success. We're here with Brandon Milburn, who was everywhere at the convention. I want to get to know you a little bit. You already mentioned that you're a former soccer player and you also do neat, innovative things outside of United Soccer Coaches. But let's first talk about your soccer career. Where did you play youth? Where did you play college? Tell us about that path. Early on, I played for the Aletha Spirit. My dad was a volunteer coach, grew up coaching my sister, who's 10 years older than me, and also played in college as an All-American, awarded by United Soccer Coaches. That's how I got introduced to the association when she won her All-American award. Man, it seems like a long time ago now. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I grew up playing for the Aletha Spirit, got located, and was offered an opportunity to join an academy at a young age with the Rush, which is now known as Rush Shocker. From there... I was recruited by Preki at the age of seven. He's a very, very popular, legendary soccer player here in Kansas City. And I think playing for him really kind of taught me what playing with passion is and, you know, and what playing with that fire and that flair. And, you know, when you score goals, celebrating, you know, he was that guy who really kind of embedded that spirit into me early on. He's getting yellow cards and red cards for U8 games because he's defending his team and, you know, trying to get out there and just win because he, he wanted to win. And, you know, that is, I think it's so important to have fun, but also understand that you're playing the game to win and to have that fire in you. So played for Preki. He ended up getting a job with Chivas USA, his first MLS coaching job, I believe, after his playing career. He went out to LA, obviously very sad for our team to, to lose him as our head coach, but he passed off the team to Dr. Emilio John, which he's a, another legendary soccer coach in the Kansas City area, former Nigerian national team player. His son was a U.S. national team player up until I think U23, barely didn't make the cut to get to that national team. But having him around with Emilio, who coached me from ages 10 or 11 all the way through 17, helped me get into the recruiting process and trying to help me understand, okay, if you want to play professionally, this is how you do it. And those are the guys I played with for Kansas City United, went to Bishop Miege, Olathe East for one year and transferred to Bishop me age so I played for Terry Hare, Nate and Joe Huppy and then I went on to go play at Hastings actually wanted to go there they won a national championship they were looking for number 10 and I said hey let's let's take a leap of faith let's go out to, to Hastings five hours away from home and see if I can do it I love the soccer program Jeff actually coached at Hastings and Chris Crank was there when he uh, had me in and Chris Clements who was actually helping at the convention as well uh, as was coaching at Hastings so uh, I came back uh, to Johns County Community College to kind of rethink exactly where I want to play, how I want to do it. Did some culinary school at Johnson County Community College along the way so I could think about, all right, where do I want to play next? Did business marketing courses, and then I went on to Baker University to go play for Nate Hauser and reconnected with some old Olathe East teammates and uh, some Miege guys, and it was a blast. Can't say that I would take anything back. I wouldn't have, you know, chose to go to Hastings or commit there and, and do all the crazy moves I did, but I'm glad that I kind of went with my gut and got to meet a lot of amazing people along the way. I'm glad you mentioned Jeff Van Dusen, the new CEO of United Soccer Coaches. The way I understand it, you've known him a very long time. I don't know if you've known him as long as you've known Precky, but a pretty long time, right? I met Jeff. So my sister started playing at UCM when I was, man, so I would have been, yeah, about seven years old. I was their uh, Hall of Fame ball boy. I still haven't got my award yet. I'm waiting for it. But uh, <laughs> you could ask the same thing about um, Lathe East, uh, Terry Hare, when he was coaching, you know, I... I was always disengaged. You know, I wasn't the sibling that came to the game and, you know, was on my, there was no iPad, there was no phone, there was no Game Boy. Um, there was just a ball and there was a field and there was people playing and there were some people in the stands. And I noticed that, you know, the people in the stands were captivated by what everyone was doing on the field. And I liked that attention. I'm not even going to lie. I like to, I like to show what I got. So 
when I was able to go out at halftime and juggle and so the stills that I got and people cheer for me, like that kind of embedded that soccer culture and that fun into me early on watching women's soccer and my sister dominate with her friends and those connections, even when you're early on and you have a passion for the game, I think older people can recognize that and go, okay, I don't think that's ever going to leave that person. So I think hopefully Jeff and Terry Hare and a lot of these coaches, they can kind of see like, oh man, he's loved it since then. And he still loves it now. He's the same kid. We're getting to know Brandon Milburn, the digital marketing specialist, and also the manager of Podcast Row at the most recent convention. I'm so glad you used the word engage because when I think of Brandon Milburn, I think of a guy who's always engaged. I feel like the wheels are always spinning and you're always active trying to make things happen. And you're bigger than just this role as a digital marketing specialist and the manager of Podcast Row. You work in media, essentially. You've got stuff going on on YouTube. Let's get to know some of the other things you're doing, Brandon. It's so much to, to cover, but try to break it down for us. I appreciate you asking about it. It's something that I, I don't really advertise a ton. I just let people kind of find it on their own and discover it and learn about it on their own. It kind of speaks for itself, the work that we do. Will John, who I spoke about, Amelia John, his, uh, his son, who... Um, I grew up around, he was the assistant coach and kind of my mentor growing up after Precky left. He was playing for the Kansas City Wizards while I was at a young age watching him on the reserve games and get opportunities in the game. So he had this idea of helping kids learn about soccer. It doesn't sound like a complicated one, but we wanted to do it in a way that was exponential. And well, the way that we saw to make the biggest impact was to go to social media, to go to YouTube, to go to Instagram, TikToks, you know, whatever it is, whatever that next platform is, we viewed it as a vehicle and we knew that younger kids were going to gravitate towards those no matter what we wanted. If, if we, Maybe we don't want them to go to YouTube, but they're going to go there. So if they're going to go there, let's make sure that top quality educational, credible content is there for them to search and to find and make sure that anything they search how to kick a ball, how to do a step over, how to use your weak foot, how to head a ball, what nutritional supplement should I take? All of these questions that youth athletes want to ask, even outside of soccer, they can go to YouTube, they can search it. And more than likely, our stuff is going to pop up there for them to see and that we know in, in our heart that, hey, that's good information that they can take and they can make them a better player, a better person. That's what we built the whole brand around. And that brand is called Golaremi. It has a Nigerian heritage for the Olaremi from Will John. I mentioned that they're Nigerian heritage and we're able to kind of pull that into this brand that's kind of Kansas City centric, but it's it's growing internationally. We have a team in Lithuania, El Salvador, Croatia, about 10 people spread over the whole country that help make that content and put it out on Golaremi, GK Golaremi, Golaremi Girls, 11th Camp Commandment Soccer Network. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast probably don't have any idea what I'm talking about. I'm looking for you know young people, eight, eight years old to 22 years old. And I think that more and more people outside of the demographic are finding out about it, which is great because it's all free, 100% free if you want to learn about soccer and become better and, and just network and learn about the ins and outs of the professional or college or high school game. We got stuff there for you and it's on every single social platform that you're using every day. I'm a big believer that you use any medium to even find a common denominator for your demographic. So I'm going to ask you to even slower say the name of that company and where, yes. where they can find it so we can understand it, even spell it out so that way yes. people can, can get there. Yes, it is Goloremi, G-O-L-U-R-E-M-I. And if you search Will John, 
W-I-L-L-J-O-H-N. You will find our YouTube channel and you'll see me up in the YouTube banner along with uh, Tyler Back, who's our goalkeeper specialist, and then Will John, who's the founder and the current professional soccer player. They both play over in the second tier in Croatia right now. I wonder how much longer Will's going to play because he's, I think he's 36 now, but he's he's looking good. He's playing at a high level and uh, you know, I'm going to keep supporting everything that he wants to do along with the YouTube channel as long as he wants to do it. So As I got to know you even better at the convention, and again, I was blown away by your ability to help no matter what the situation was. I'm a pleaser. I can tell you're a pleaser as well. You want people to get their job done and be happy and enjoy the ride. You think about everything you're doing and all that success you're having with Gola Remy, but I feel like for you, being a part of United Soccer Coaches and a full-time employee was something you really wanted to make happen. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I've talked to Jeff about this, but um, I thought I was going to have an opportunity to work at the association. It was right out of college and we were going over email and uh, we just, you know, it was like, hey, I want you to come in the office and, and see everything. And I can, you know, you can meet people and maybe, you know, something can work out. Went out, got a tie, got the suit. And then I was like, all right, I'm coming. I'm coming in for the interview. And then it just didn't, you know, it just didn't work out. And I was like, oh man, that's, that stinks. And I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to, to get in there. It's just, it's a cool association. There's so much going on. There's so many people who want to work there, but I just kind of kept in the back of my mind, kept grinding it out at a challenger and everything else I was doing on the, out on the side. And I think the pandemic was a little bit of a blessing in disguise for me in particular, because everything digital marketing, it came to the forefront, everything that was done in the past in terms of trying to reach people and engage with people. And all of a sudden United soccer coaches for the first time since 1941, can't do a physical convention. Well, Challenger Sports for the first time, 2020 couldn't do a physical soccer camp. So what we did was we developed a virtual soccer camp and we had over a thousand people sign up for it. We were able to release education to kids and they were able to engage with our coaches in real time via Zoom. And we recorded content. I, I edited over 200 hours during um, that period during the pandemic to, to release this program during the pandemic. And Maybe it didn't get 20,000 people on it, but we got a thousand people on it. So, you know, I thought that we, we really rallied around that. And I think Jeff saw that the association saw that I was able to kind of share those ideas and all of those skills that I was able to develop from YouTube, able to develop at challenger, you know, trying to just fix problems has really led to this conversation here where, you know, now me and you can start figuring out ways to make sure that people all, everywhere know about soccer, can learn about soccer, get inspired about soccer. And that's what I'm most excited about. So me and you got resources here at the association. I know that we both see kind of the vision of what we can get done here. So Brandon Milber, the digital marketing specialist for United Soccer Coaches, the manager of Podcast Row. Two more questions for you. We're recording this just essentially a little over two days after the convention wrapped up. And as I mentioned already, you were more than just the manager of Podcast Row. You were everywhere. Can you kind of put a capper on your feelings on how the convention went as we were finally all reunited together? I know I was nervous going into it. I was like, man, what's going to go wrong? Which internet's going to go out ready for anything that could possibly go wrong, but only had a couple of hiccups here and there and everything else was great. But, you know, in terms of kind of what you could have expected if you weren't there is you walked into this main lobby and there was just table after table after table of shows and people having conversations, talking about everything that they love. And you could just see the excitement in people's faces as they were doing these shows. But I, you know, I'm really excited to see how much content really was produced over those two to three days that people were on podcast row. I know that uh, some of those shows did well over 20 interviews in a single day. So 
I think that the guests that were there, you know, Jada Merritt, we had Blair Winalda, Soccer Chat, Sirius XMFC was there. Last word on soccer. I could go on for the next minute just listing off names and guests that came through and Anna did an amazing job. Dean, you did a great job. But I think that at the end of this, we're going to have a huge database of just shows and content from this year that we can look back on and be really proud of. Finally, I know you're able to go to the awards banquet. I'm pretty sure you probably went to some of the socials, maybe some of the breakfasts, going back to my point that you weren't just on podcast row. Knowing that you did all of that and knowing that Jeff Van Dusen, somebody that you have known since you said six years old, when you think about United Soccer Coaches moving forward, a definition of United Soccer Coaches from Brandon Milburn, what does United Soccer Coaches mean to Brandon Milburn? To me, it means soccer for all. And that's what I've been about since I stopped playing. I realized that I am extremely lucky to have had the coaches, the mentors, the parents, the extended family, the friends, this huge support system all created by the soccer world has given me everything in my life. And if I wouldn't have had those mentors growing up, I can guarantee you that it wouldn't have been good, <laughs> you know? And I think that goes for a lot of kids and it goes for a lot of people. If you don't have that thing you can connect to and that inspires you and, and gives you that energy and that passion every single day, you can get distracted. You can go down a wrong path. Soccer for all, soccer for all, soccer for all. If us, if, if coaches and players and parents and everyone in this country can keep that in mind and not let uh, capitalism and all this crazy stuff get in the way of that, we're going to win a lot of soccer games, we're going to have a lot of fun, and this association is going to be great. United Soccer Coaches, soccer for all. I'm extremely grateful, Brandon, for the way you stepped up. You made that week easy for me and for Anna and really for everybody. I felt like everybody that was around you was smiling. Your presence on social media was off the charts. Thank it you. Been, yeah, it's been an honor getting to know you, and I look forward to collaborating down yes. the road. Yeah, really enjoyed it. And also, more importantly, thanks for being a guest on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. Hey, this is uh, it's an honor. This is uh, this is awesome to talk to you and, and be on this show. And, you know, most of all, it's, it's amazing to be part of this association. So if I haven't got to meet you yet, please reach out and let's have a conversation. Great job, Brandon. And speaking of conversations, we'll have one more with another member of our 30 under 30 class. Christine Chiota is up next. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Just a week after the United Soccer Coaches Convention, we roll on with a new sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, yet my favorite section as we meet another member of our 30 under 30 class. Almost all of them were in Kansas City, which was great to see, including Christine Chiodo. Christine, great to see you in Kansas City and great to have you on this week's United Soccer Coaches Podcast, now presented by Lee Gabs. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Dean. It was fun to see you in Kansas City as well. Yeah, before we get into your background, just break down everything you enjoyed about being at the convention. So this was actually my first convention. Not only was I 30 under 30, but it was my first. And I started with the Donna Fishner on Wednesday, her session. And that was probably my one of my favorite sessions. So great way to kick off. I think when I came home, what I told my family, my favorite part was, was just being surrounded by everybody that loved the game so much. I remember just introducing myself to anybody and everybody to the point where I was leaving the hotel 
said hello to somebody that I don't even think was part of United Soccer Coaches, but I was so used to having that easy interaction, that kind, sure. welcome interaction, that it just kind of became something I started to do, even with people that didn't even weren't even involved. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a natural flow of, hey, where are you from? What do you do? Right. Right. Uh, and then yeah. you just start listening, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It was great. And just so many educational opportunities, classroom, field sessions. It was just unbelievable, actually. I know Friday night is kind of a long night, but you're seeing people that are going in the Hall of Fame, receiving the honor award, and then you get to step on the stage. How about that moment on Friday night when we recognize the 30 under 30s? That was a big moment, too. You kind of took a minute to look out at how many people were there and how many we sat with the red aprons, um, some of the gentlemen that are involved in that. I think two days prior, so the gentleman you announced with, the MC, we actually, he sat at our table and he told us all about the Red Apron. So then to look out and see all of these people and realize how much they put into it, I was glad to have that moment after, you know, later on in the conference to really appreciate everybody that put in the effort to be there. Yeah, and I was so glad that you took time to come up to me as well. And I, I love immediate responses. So I'm glad that we have you on this week's show. So let's get to know you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Don't leave anything out. Where you grew up, where you went to high school. Did you play in college? And then we'll get to when you got that coaching bug. I started playing soccer when I was five years old in our youth soccer league here. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Went to West Allegheny High School right over here by the airport in Pittsburgh. I played soccer and basketball. I kept uh, stats for the softball team and was the ball girl for the football team. So I like to stay busy with sports the whole year. Played all four years in high school. I played club for a couple of different teams and finished with Arsenal Football Club here in Pittsburgh. Went on to Division Three soccer at LaRoche College then, LaRoche University now. Got a bachelor's in health science with a minor in psychology. And then kind of graduated and felt that moment of, I'm no longer an athlete. Who am I now? And I kind of felt like I hit a wall and didn't really know what to do. And my sister was in nursing school. And I thought that was super admirable. And I went back to Duquesne University and did a second degree nursing program. And in the middle of that is when I took my first volunteer high school coaching job. So it kind of all blended together towards the end, but that that's kind of my journey. Well, and so that means right now, the way I understand it is you're a full-time nurse and you're also a full-time high school coach, or, or do you not call that full-time? I would say it's full-time. I yeah. think as an assistant, I didn't see it as full-time, but as soon as I put on those head coaching shoes, I was like, whoa, this is full-time. So yeah, full-time nurse, full-time head coach. Okay. And just make sure we heard the high school where you're coaching at correctly. Say it one more time in case we missed that. Baldwin Whitehall High School. And that's in right in Pittsburgh or outside? It's um, right outside the tunnels that lead you into Pittsburgh. So honestly, it's a five-minute drive into the city. What's the thing you like the most now being a head coach of your team? I think it's the impact that you can make on young women. I think that something that I'm, I'm a student of the game. I love learning. I love reading Doug Lamov, his book, anybody that I can listen to, Anton Dorn's podcast, whoever I can listen to, I take bits and pieces and kind of interpret that into how I can impact young women. Being able to talk to them every day and understand who they are and what they need. My thing is how intentional can I be in my session planning and education to then reach them where they are. Uh, my mission statement is kind of like, how do we get each person to their own full potential? Because your full potential and mine are different. So how do I, as the head coach, 
kind of reach out and find out what everybody's full individual potential is to build one big program. Here with Christine Chiotto, another member of our 30 under 30 class. When did you first come across United Soccer Coaches and how did you get involved? I think I first came across United Soccer Coaches three years ago, I think, and I was just looking to continue to educate myself. I was in the middle of my U.S. soccer grassroots, and I was like, how can I keep going while I wait for the D license to come into our area? And I just was looking, and I came across United Soccer Coaches, and then you kind of deep dive into everything they have on their website, and you learn as you go. And so ever since then, I think I check the website every other day for news and something different, and I get the journal now. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I got involved. So a further step, when did you learn about the 30 under 30 program? I think that was last spring. I was sitting down with the head coach at Westminster College and he said, you know, look at the scholarship opportunities they have. They have so many. And I don't know why I just never looked at that tab. I think because I sometimes equate scholarship with somebody that's still in school or looking to move on to school. So I didn't realize that it was still for coaches. And I looked at it and I looked at the 30 under 30 tab. I was 26, I believe when I applied or just turned 27. And I kind of sat down and looked at the prompts and just started writing. It all kind of happened rather quickly. He told me to look at it. I looked at it and then I applied. So that means on your first application, you got in Christine? I did. Yes. You probably learned from some of the other 30 under 30 members that a lot of them applied two, three, four times, right? I learned that actually by listening to your, this podcast. Uh, every time I listen, I, I realized how incredible it was that I got it on my first try. So yeah, it was pretty crazy. You know, that tells me that you're really good at communicating about your journey. And I like how you said, I just started writing and writing. So clearly when you got the application, you took it seriously and you must have poured from your heart what this game of soccer means to you. Yeah, I always say that you know, when it comes to soccer, I wear my heart on my sleeve and to know me is to know that I love the game. And my girls know I get like emotional goosebumps in the middle of, you know, our huddles. And I have no shame in crying when I feel the need to cry and just showing them who I am and how much I love the sport. Um, it's kind of who I am, but I am who I am because of it all at the same time. I have to admit that as excited as I am that you're a high school women's soccer coach, I'm also very excited that you're also a nurse. Do you think you'll be able to continue to do both or do you eventually want to pick one way and go that way? You know what? I'm not sure. I'm kind of the person that likes to make as much work at the same time as I possibly can. I would love to take the leap into just straight soccer and athletics, but giving back to sick, lonely, sometimes scared people, I have a really hard time stepping away from that role and not being there for my patients and it's a hard jump. It kind of rips my heart in half and my head in half. And I'm like, you know, what, what's right for me and what's right for my girls and what's right for my patients. But the more I think about it, the more I wonder if educating in the university setting and then coaching like a part-time university nursing educator. And that's kind of how I've wrapped my head around making it work, keeping my feet in both on both sides of it. So we'll see. Um, coaching in, in college is kind of the, is the goal, but how am I going to make it work is the path I have to figure out right now. So you're leaking a little bit of information on my crystal ball question. And you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to be, no, that's all right. I'm going to be asking you about uh, memories and, and mentors and that'll be next. But before we do that, as a nurse during a pandemic, 
Can you kind of just share with us like how crazy and, and difficult and hard and emotional this whole time has been? Yeah, um, hard is uh, an understatement. It has been without a doubt the scariest, hardest thing that I ever knew that I could go through. It started, I was actually the first nurse in our hospital to have a COVID patient uh, out here in Pittsburgh at St. Clair Hospital. And we kind of learned on the fly and the doctors and nurses were together. And then from there on, it just became something that we had to figure out as we went and emotionally be able to handle it all at the same time. I've held multiple hands of people as they took their last breath and was in on those Zoom calls with families as they said goodbye. And COVID is real. It, it's real and it's scary and it's sad. And it has not, in the hospital setting, it's still just as real. It's just as scary. And one one hour visit every five days is not enough to say goodbye. So it's, it's, it's a lot. Do you have any personal message you want to give on the benefits of vaccinated and non-vaccinated as it relates to what you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. So just firsthand, I guess the simplest way to put it is get vaccinated. If you can imagine yourself in a room, I don't know, the size of probably the bathroom you have at home in a bed by yourself with oxygen pumping in your face, unable to even pick up your phone to text the person you love that you love them. It's that for days on days on days on days on end until Either your lungs start to react to what we're doing or it goes the other way. And if you can picture that for a minute and then picture just a 10 second needle prick and what that could do to save you from that moment, those are kind of the two scenarios. And I need people that, or I want people and I hope people that listen realize the impact of 10 seconds versus 10 days or 10 years that COVID can have on your life. So get vaccinated. It helps. It keeps your hospital stay from 10 days to 10 minutes in the emergency room. And the more we can keep people out of the hospital, the better care that people get in the hospital. It is scary. It is real. And getting vaccinated does, does help. I appreciate it. I'm glad that we can talk about both sides of what have made you a, an incredible woman. And now on the soccer side, memories and mentors. So what's your favorite memory as a soccer player and soccer coach or one or the other or both? So my senior year of college, I kind of coined the phrase no mercy. We were all in, all out, all the time. And I kind of took that on my back. And I think we literally got the no mercy on the back of our t-shirts and we wrote it all the way you know as far as we could I scored actually the double overtime winner to get us the you know the first round home playoff game for the first time in years and I remember and, and it was great scoring was great and being with my teammates was great but I remember calling my dad after the game and I just started sobbing and he was crying and I think that it was just that moment of my playing career is coming to an end and everything that I played for and wanted kind of all hit me in that moment. And that was so special to me to have. My dad was at some dinner and they cut off the broadcast at full time. So he didn't get to see the double overtime portion of it. But to have that moment with him and my teammates, that was super special. And then um, we ended up losing that next playoff game, one nothing. My next favorite moment is that huddle after the game, seeing everybody's eyes on me like in that moment kind of like a where do we go from here whether it was the seniors or the freshmen or and I and I said I said listen 
we keep moving. LaRoche keeps building. Like this is bigger than a one nothing loss. And I think that I will never forget the feeling of like the circle around me and then the eyes and how much of an impact you can make with your words just by truly caring about what you're saying. So those are my two big moments as a player. And as a coach, you know, we struggle in our section. We're in a big, big giant section and we only get out 24 girls when other teams have 80 try out. And we were down pretty hefty, like 10, nothing, I think at halftime. And one of our girls came in the huddle and I didn't say anything yet. I just kind of stood there and let them kind of debrief for a moment. And she comes in, she's a junior. She says, guys, we have to trust the process. And I looked at my head coach and I said, man, we are doing something right. Like, I mean, for her to come in to say, we need to trust the process down 10, nothing. It was incredible. I was like, again, my words mean something. We're getting something across. So that is definitely my favorite memory as a coach. All right. Well, let's move to the other M mentors. Name them for us. We like names on this show. Obviously my dad, he is just a passionate human being. So he was my first coach and that's kind of where the whole thing started. You know, I'd say, you know, there's another tryout, let's go. And he'd say, let's go. And I think it's that passion that initially kind of lit the fire in me. And then when it comes to coaching mentors, my head basketball coach, um, Beth Bailey, she was by far the biggest mentor that I had as a, a woman and as a basketball player or just an athlete in general, and as a coach. Um, She was hard on us, but cared about us. She pushed us, but told us why. And the why was always because I believe you could do better. And I believe there's more in there. And she cared about us as human beings. I'd never had a coach like really care about me as a person and a player all at the same time. And back then, and I say back then, but 10 years ago, we had a lot more of the, you know, the harsh coach, the yelling coach. And now we're, we're kind of changing into a player centered environment. But even back then, she was one of those few that took it upon herself to ask you how your parents or how your sister was. And I remember the biggest thing I remember about her that I do today is basketball seasons during New Year's Eve. And that we ended the practice before New Year's Eve, five minutes early every every year. And we gathered around and she said, listen, I cannot afford to lose a single one of you. If you need me, you call me. If you don't have my number, I'll give it to you. New Year's Eve is one day. The rest of your life is forever. And she looked around and said, I won't ask questions. I'll open the door and you'll get in the car. And that's, and that's, that's who I want to be. I want to be somebody that cares so deeply that uses the last five minutes of scrimmage time to tell you how much I care about you and how much I want you back tomorrow. I don't want, you know, a drive, drunk driving accident. So she mentored me as a player and, you know, who I wanted to be as a player. I wanted to work hard. And then as a coach, I wanted to be the person that asks for more, but also tells you how much I care about you. I love that answer. And as we close, the good thing about your commentary so far, particularly tied to your nursing career and your coaching careers, you kind of touched a little bit about on what you see down the road, but I know you've listened to the podcast. I so appreciate that as well. And I love that you listened to the Anson Dorrance podcast, which has been uh, another great uh, venture for me, but you know, the, the crystal ball question, you know, you've probably thought about it a lot since you've listened to the podcast. Can you put it into full words now that uh, that's what we normally end with? Yeah, absolutely. And I, want to mention that I think the convention has actually changed my crystal ball answer a little bit because I had an answer before I went and then after going and hearing all these people's successes and how they kind of took their own path 
I was sitting in on a panel with Rusty Oglesby and they did a session about, hey, we're actually, we've struggled too. It's not just all, you know, rainbows and butterflies for every single person in this room. And I kind of felt grounded in that moment to be like, okay, there are people here struggling too. So I loved those sessions, but I think that I want to stay high school. I want to impact as long as I can. But eventually, someday, I want to find the path to college, uh, specifically D3. I love the D3 level. I love the heart and desire and drive in D3. Not that everybody else doesn't have it, but, you know, you play for, you want to play. There's no money in D3. So find my way there and then also kind of educate somehow, whether it be, you know, nursing education to keep my foot in that door or some sort of education somewhere. Very good. And But it's clear, though, you always want soccer in your life, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. All right. I'm going to add one more in here then, because I found you fascinating, particularly what you've done as a nurse during these trying times. And thanks for sharing your thoughts on it, because I think it's important to put a voice to it from somebody who's actually right there in the quote line of fire outside of the soccer field, outside of nursing, where else do you find some joy? I just like spending my time with my people, you know, my family, my mom's one of seven, my dad's one of four. So I feel like, you know, we're everywhere, but I like seeing them and my cousin's a senior. I'm going to go to his senior night on Friday and, you know, my friends and my girlfriend and the whole thing, just making sure that I'm surrounded by my people and having their back the same way they've been having mine through, especially this 30 under 30. So really loved your ties to the medical world as well as the soccer world. And so glad you came up to me at the convention. And I'm so glad that you're the first one that airs right after the convention as we're all still flying high and getting our energy back right and rolling again because and that was really intense. So Christine Chiodo, congratulations on being a member of a 30 under 30 class. And thanks for being on the first show with our new sponsor, Lee Gaps. Thanks so much, Dean. Thanks for having me. It was my pleasure and certainly an honor to now have Lee Gaps as the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. We kicked off this show with a wonderful visit with Jeremy Goldberg, the president and quarterback of Lee Gaps, Simon Collins, the USYS National League Commissioner, Aaron McLeod and Dr. Rachel Linval from the Mindful Project, Brandon Milburn, high energy, does it all for United Soccer Coaches, including managing podcast role at the recent convention and as you just heard christine chiota from the 30 under 30 class i also want to thank bailey conklin and erica dyer as well as the new ceo of united soccer coaches jeff van dusen and the entire team as well as anna witty and our producer colin thrash for all of them and all of you i'm dean linky we'll see you next week for another edition of the united soccer coaches podcast now presented by league apps Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.